Welcome to Old Walls House. It's your main man and host, Old Walls, and I'm back with you, back for episode 11. So thank you everybody for tuning back in with us. I appreciate all your support. Got a fun show coming your way. We got Zach Place joining us again. The hardest worker I know has found some time to carve out, you know, just a little bit of time for us out of his busy schedule. I really appreciate him, you know, finding the time for us. Unfortunately, Mr. Appley won't be able to join us this week. We were hoping to put the band back together and talk about all our bets, but he had a he had a scheduling conflict come up. So just Zach and I going mano y mano talking about the games this week. I'm gonna touch on some golf. We have a Flyers update. Got some NFL news. We're gonna obviously we're gonna hear from my man MJ. We got 60 seconds with MJ coming your way. So before we get all to it, you know, we gotta touch on a little bit of housekeeping. So again, thank you guys so much. Just had our most listened to episode ever, so thank you so much. And if you're a new uh, listener kind of sticking with us here this week, I appreciate it. Come on, have a little fun along this ride that we're on here. So if you could, please rate, review, comment, share, subscribe, retweet, send it to your friends, your family, whatever you could do, I'm, I'm very appreciative of. If you think it's worth sharing, please do. So thank you guys so much. I appreciate all of you. I hope you're enjoying it. And let's get started. Okay, as mentioned, joining me again this week, the biggest degenerate I know, Zach Place. Thank you, Jordan. Thanks for having me on Old Wall's House. Pleasure to be here again. Uh, back-to-back weeks, we're going to get after it again. Yeah, you get the uh, the high, high distinction of being the first-ever two-time guest, and uh, you get to do it in back-to-back weeks. So, just a little I recap. Mean- just a little recap. We are 23-24-1. and one. Overall, how do you feel about our performance thus far, Zach? From where we started to where we've come, I think there was a little side group text going on. And after after the first four and the start Thursday, things looked grim. And I said, we, you can't go up until you touch bottom. And I think we've really rebounded, and we're going to make a run, and we're going to be profitable by the end of this tournament. That's a bold claim. That's a bold claim. We did for sure touch bottom, and being profitable from here is a bold claim, but I love I love the enthusiasm. Did you have any other thoughts from watching the tournament this past weekend? I know you probably can't remember much of what you watched, judging by your uh, your Saturday itinerary, but what 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 have you thought so far? after after four straight days of basketball, one thing sticks out to me. Has anyone heard from Sister G? Is is she still alive? I mean, Ohio State just put the wood right to them, and it was embarrassing. Another note, I think the officiating for this entire tournament is atrocious. I think something needs to be looked at at the officiating crew. I know they're big on MLB, robot umpires, all this nonsense. Can someone look at the NCAA refs or basketball? I mean, there's got to be something out there. But other than that, uh, we're going to continue to try and fade Slano, and we're going to continue to try to pick winners. Yeah, so you brought up a couple of my thoughts. One, it appears Sister Jean's alive. The Loyola Chicago basketball team is not. Like you said, the officiating's awful. I thought it was particularly bad in the second half of the UNC-Baylor game. UNC was doing all they could to lose that game on their own. 
but the officials were awful. Like Baylor was just mugging them. And I, I see this. I've seen this the whole way is they let these guys like mug each other, like in the paint as they drive, like there's hands on them all over. Then the offensive guys are like giving forearm shivers and dropping elbows and then they start calling these like ticky tack bullshit flagrants and technicals. And it's like, yeah, there's no in between right now. Yeah, yeah, it's really weird. So, and yes, the fade Slano, he was big on Illinois, and Illinois may be the worst basketball I've ever watched. Like, just from like an aesthetically, like an aesthetics like thing, and just in, being able to enjoy a game of basketball, it's fucking terrible. Like that's. Off. That's as bad as watching talent. high school basketball. Yeah. For for the superstars and talent that they have, to watch them run the offense for two games, uh, it was pitiful. Pitiful. Yeah, it was, yeah, just pitiful is the perfect word for it. So, yeah. How's your bracket doing before we get going? Is your bracket intact? I'm, I'm trash. I really got to stop. So we gave out all these picks. And then the day of, I get all hyped up. I go through these games, and I pick opposite of myself a couple of times, and I'm in the hole. My bracket sucks. My bookie got paid a large amount of money today. <laughs> um, so we're going to stick to our gut. What comes out here, I'm going to follow through. I'm going to place all my bets, and I'm going to walk away. But no, bracket's toast. We're done all across Survivor. Haven't won a square yet. Seems like everybody else in the world can win a square. I can't win a square. Um I'm just burning money at this point. Yeah, I haven't even sniffed the square. My bracket shot. I, you know, the age-old tradition of me losing at least one Final Four team, and usually my my champion in the first weekend has happened. I've lost two Final Four teams. So yeah, bracket shot. This is all we got left. So so let's get right to it. We uh, we got Thursday night. We have the West Region. We'll start there. We got Arkansas. Matching up with Gonzaga, Arkansas is getting eight and a half. What do you think? I think that's a lot of points. Um, Gonzaga's good. I think they're the more talented team. Arkansas is tough, but there seems to be there's some points where the Razorbacks just don't show up. And I think this is going to be a game where Gonzaga thought they were just going to cruise past and... They kind of got scared last week or this weekend and woke them up, and I think they're going to cover big time here. Wow, you think so? You think they're going to cover? I was leaning the other way. I was uh, in seeing Gonzaga twice. They haven't covered either time. I was leaning towards Arkansas just to take the points, but it's not like Arkansas's beat any you know heavy hitters getting there. They beat New Mexico State and Vermont. So I I, I kind of circled Arkansas, but I could be swayed. And you think I, I just, uh, you think Gonzaga bounces back with not that good. Like look at look at Tennessee ran Arkansas out of the stadium. I don't know a month and a half ago, and then I mean Michigan had their way with Tennessee. I, I just don't think the SEC is that good. Um, I like I said, I think Gonzaga is the real deal. My boy Timmy with that mustache. He, he's a threat. He's we we should probably team. pick Gonzaga strictly because the, that mustache is incredible. So you sold me, you sold me right there on the mustache. So that's right. All right, we got Gonzaga given the eight and a half. Next up is Duke and Texas Tech. Texas Tech is a one point favorite here. I I like Duke here. I think 
I think Coach K's kind of last year, Cin- not Cinderella run, but his last year run, we, we're going to have to deal with Coach K for another another game or two at least. I uh, I just don't see Texas Tech beating, beating the, the Dukies. So you got – what do you think there? I'm going to be a sheep and I'm going to follow you. I think the whole Coach K – Cinderella last run they're gonna pour it all out um give them a couple days to prep for Texas Tech I mean Texas Tech's good and Notre Dame gave them a game I I think Duke wins this one yeah I think Duke just had some dudes too so yeah it just seems like when they want to turn it on they can turn it on yep yep all right we move over to Michigan and Villanova we got, uh, you know, we uh, we were we were sleeping on Michigan. We had picked Colorado State to beat them, and then I kind of figured Tennessee'd get them. But Juwan Howard coming back rested from his uh, his suspension leads him to the Sweet Sixteen to match up with Villanova. What do you think there? I mean, if Colorado State would have stayed off the booze at halftime, <laughs> they would have ran Michigan out of that place. I mean, they were two different teams in that game, first half to second half. I still, I mean, Michigan's good, but I got a little future bet on Villanova before the tournament started. Uh, thank you, Nick Place. But uh, I, I like Villanova. I, they're a senior-led team. They were my pick when we did the podcast last week, who I thought could win it all. They make their free throws. They shoot the ball well. They pass well. I, I'm, I'm laying the points with four and a half here. Yeah, I like it. I, I saw it at five. I like it either way. I'll take Villanova. I just think they're better. Um, so as much as it pains me to get on the Slano bandwagon, we, uh, we have to, we have to jump on Villanova here, I think. I mean, is it the bandwagon? He hopped off it yesterday. Like he was fully off and okay with it, even though it wasn't his pick. I get that, but he, he was off it. He didn't put up a fight. He wrote it. Yeah. Who knows? He, uh, he, he selectively chooses his wagons and when he's going to ride them and when he's going to hop off for a couple stops and then circle back around. So. All right, the last game Thursday. By the way, thank God I live in central time zone because the last game on Thursday is slated to start at 8.59. You know that shit's going to get pushed back to 9.20. Like, can we start these games just a little earlier, man? Like, that, And that's, that's the other takeaway we could have gone back to, right? The Saturday-Sunday games playing one game at yeah. 11 and one game at 1.40 and then six at night. Like, I'm trying to go to bed. Right? Like, let's front load and then play one game at night. Yeah, I have not. I made it Saturday. Saturday's the only games that I made it to the end. I watched all that Gonzaga game. I have not. For four days, I have not (laughs) seen the ending games. I'm an old man. I am in bed. I'm up early. I'm a changed man. I, I can't do that stuff anymore. Yeah, I'm one of four. There have been points, I think I've, I think Thursday, Friday, I didn't even see the last two games tip off. So, yeah, we got to – especially that Saturday-Sunday setup that they do on the first weekend, like you said. Like, give us a game at 11, give us a game at noon, give us a game at 1. Like, get this shit going a little bit so we don't have to yeah. start the last game at 10 o'clock. That's right. Give us two at a time during the midday. Those are the prime day drinking hours. Exactly. We want, we want multiple screens. Yeah, I've definitely become much more of a day drinker, and it was kind of annoying that, like, my two-TV setup wasn't necessary to like, 6 o'clock. On Saturday or Sunday. I know. I had to watch commercials. Yeah. I don't, I don't have time for that. Yeah, it's bullshit. So, well, back to uh, back to the late game on Thursday. We got Houston 
at Arizona. Arizona minus two. I'm leaning towards Arizona here. I think they're just really talented. I could be. I I hear you huffing I, and puffing over there. I can be swayed. I I I don't know if I can sway you much more. Other than I really like Houston. I like the way they play. They play fast. They shoot the ball well. Um, I can't. I I will be honest. I watched a little bit of the Arizona game last night. Um, TCU had him on the ropes, officiating again the last play of the game. Like that kid got mugged at half court, and there was no call. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna. I, I gotta take two points with Houston here. All right, I'll run with you. Like I said, I didn't. I didn't have a huge lean there. I liked Arizona. I just thought they were talented. I think it's going to be a fun game. I think that's going to be one of the best games. Which I won't see. I may I may uh, make it through we'll the be, first half. We'll but Sound asleep. My my one thirty two a.m. wake up, look at the phone, and make sure did my bet cover. Is a, <laughs> the, the little thrill I get to then go back to sleep <clears throat> sad or happy. That is an, a totally underrated aspect of betting is that when you have late games and you just know you're not going to make it, you're like, well, I'm going to wake up at 1 through 2 o'clock in the morning, have to piss or something like that. I'll just find out then what happens. That's right. That's right. All right. So we lock Houston in getting two points. We move on to Friday's games. We got St. Peter's. The Peacocks. The Peacocks. You got to let them fly, fly. Zach. You got to let the Peacocks fly. They're taking on Purdue. Purdue is going to give them 12 and a half. I mean, when does the Cinderella story run out? That's the question. That's the when question. Does it make it, Doug, when does Doug stop making buckets? Yeah, you, you never know. Like, 12 and a half is a ton of points. But if you saw Purdue was playing St. Peter's, giving 12 and a half points in November or whenever this game would happen, you'd be like, oh, I'm hammering Purdue. I know. Purdue went on a 20-0 run. Yesterday, yeah, that was impressive. Twenty zero, like it. They just they can score. I mean, all, I mean, absolutely Swiss cheese on the defensive side, but <laughs> they can score. And I mean, if this gets into a shootout, it, this is going to be painstaking for me to say. But I'm going to lay twelve and a half. I think I know the Jersey boys are going to say there's grit in Jersey. These guys are. Awesome! They came here to win that. Yeah, it's over. Give me Purdue minus twelve and a half. Yeah, I'm with you. I think, I think like I think the Cinderella story is over. The clock strikes midnight. Purdue's had all. Purdue's going to have a couple days to do some scouting. Yeah, I think Ivy. They they got some players, and that seven footer can move and play. They're gonna they're gonna win. Yep. Talent defeats luck in due time. So Purdue lay the points. And move on. The uh, the other game in the early slot on Friday is Providence. They're matching up against Kansas. Kansas is giving them seven and a half. I uh, I love Kansas here, and I'm not really going to be swayed one way or the other. I think they're just better. I think Providence, you know, Providence got by South Dakota State in the first round, and then Richmond in the second. I'm I I think Kansas is gonna. Is yeah, gonna lay the I, wood. I I'm not gonna sway you. I can't be swayed. I, I'm on Kansas as well. Um, the Providence run runs out here. It's you're right. They haven't played really anyone. They had a good year in the Big East, um, but have faltered kind of down the end. And Kansas just 
better talent. Yeah, I would look for Kansas to maybe win that by 12 to 15. As you, someone who loves a good alternate Love line. those alternates. Give me, give me that alternate spread. Sprinkle that 12 to 15 a little bit. Yeah. See what you can get on that. We, we will. Then we got, uh, in the first of the late games over back in the East region, UCLA minus two going up against UNC. And this game is the hardest one to pick of the Thursday, Friday, because which UNC team are you getting? Are you getting the first 50 minutes they've played in this tournament where they blew out Marquette, they were hammering Baylor, or do you get the last 10 minutes when they were shitting down their leg as Baylor was making their comeback? Has the NCAA made a rule? Is that guy suspended for this game? I think he's back. According to Coach Slanovic, I conferred with him, he is eligible to play this in this game. Uh, I mean, that's a, that's a game changer. But I, I, you want to pick? I mean, this is your your Tar Heels here. I don't want to. You go. You go. I, I, I'm taking UCLA. Um, a team can only shoot so hot for so long, and down that stretch there at the end of Baylor when they picked up the pressure, uh, it really showed some weaknesses on that UNC team. And now with UCLA being able to prepare for that and see what how Baylor came back, I think they implement that from the start and kind of pressure those guards, full court press, and and kind of cause some some shock of smart havoc on the UNC offense. Yeah, I I totally get it. I'll, I know you don't want to hear it. Yeah, I don't want to hear it, but I get it. I'm probably gonna break if you're gonna bet that. I'm probably gonna be the one time I'm gonna break it. I'm just gonna take the heels. Just to yeah. make it fun. Because at this point, like you don't want to root against your team this deep no, into the tournament. Not. So I'll probably take them, but I totally get what you said. And it's like you said, they can I mean they've been shooting the lights out for those first two games, for those first fifty minutes. So For the for the pod we can have UCLA spread and, and we can have a, a parlay with a little UNC money line. There we go. Perfect. We'll parlay right. the spread and the money line together just to yeah. see if we can sneak a one point a one point middle. Yeah, a one point middle. Uh, but, yeah, I looked up the Tar Heel Times does tell me that since the ejection was not due to fighting, that Brady Manick will be eligible to play on Friday. So, hey, maybe uh, the Heels keep this kind of miracle shooting run alive because they are by far the most bipolar team in this entire tournament. When they're hot, I mean, they look like a different team than everybody else in this tournament. I yeah, mean, when R.J. Davis and Caleb Love make shots – it, it it turns them into, like, a real contender. It opens up the middle for Baycott. Man, it can kind of have a little more space. So, we'll uh, we'll see. So, the pod's going to let you let us go. Uh, we're going to go UCLA, lay in the two here. And the final game of the night, the Iowa State Cyclones and the U, the Miami Hurricanes. The Hurricanes are giving up two and a half. Who, who would have thought we would be here with Miami versus Iowa State in the Sweet 16. Yeah, it's upsets are real fun on the first two weekends until you get this matchup. And, yeah. And what what Miami team were we going to get? I mean, they look fantastic. Yeah, they look that, awesome against Auburn. I, I'm going to lay Miami minus two and a half. I like Miami minus two and a half too. I don't know if I'm being like a ACC homer. I, that's what I'm. I am too. I'm. I'm with you there. Just, ah. 
But I, I think the ACC has looked better. I mean, all you heard all year was the ACC was terrible, and now they have, I think, th- what, three teams here in the Sweet 16? So I- I'm with you. Let's. I'm with you. Roll with the U. But that game's a crapshoot. I mean, you get a 10 and 11 seed matching up against each other. You never know. And, and Wisconsin can totally lay an egg and get beat by anybody. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Yeah, that would be – that's the nightcap Friday? Yeah, that is the uh, Friday nightcap, the game I have 0% chance of staying awake for. 100% yeah, I don't, guaranteed. I don't know if I want to watch it. <laughs> Bet it and walk away. Exactly. So that wraps it up. So just to recap, we got Gonzaga minus 8.5, Villanova minus 5.5, Duke plus 1, Houston plus 2, Purdue minus 12.5, Kansas minus 7.5, UCLA minus 2, Miami minus 2.5. We are favorite heavy. And we are I, favorite heavy. I guess we'll just have to see how that plays out. So, Zach, any final thoughts on things to look for or things you've caught this last weekend here? I don't, I don't have any closing remarks. Maybe maybe go get go get those future bets in. I'm telling you, Villanova, I, I still like them to win it all. Um, no, I, I'm good. I'm looking forward to another four days of, of basketball. Perfect. I don't know if my liver can handle it, but <laughs> we're going we're gonna to regroup for three days and get back after it. Yeah, uh, a nice, beautiful 70-degree day out here in the Midwest, and uh, sacrifices have to be made when you're going to drink like you do in the NCAA tournament. you got to give up a day of drinking to, to let your body catch back up. So, Zach, appreciate you coming on. I know as the hardest worker I've ever met, this was probably really hard for you to carve out some time on a, uh, on a work day, but I appreciate your time, and we'll, uh, we'll probably have you back on again soon. Thank you, old walls. It was a pleasure as always. Looking forward to some winners. So let's talk some golf. As I mentioned, I'll be honest with you guys. I didn't watch a single second. I didn't watch any Thursday. I didn't watch any Friday. I didn't watch any Saturday. I Did I flip the channel? I don't even think I flipped the channel on. I may have flipped the channel to it on Sunday for about three seconds. But I was watching the NCAA tournament the whole weekend. So I, I, I'm i going to be up front. Didn't watch it at all. Sam Burns won. Sam Burns was in contention last week at the Players. And this is his uh, second win in a row at the Valspar. Third win in 12 months. So this guy looks like he's got some games. So he went 64, 67, 67, 69 to win this weekend. His third win in 12 months, uh, Valspar last year, Valspar this year, and a win at Sanderson Farms in October. So Sanderson Farms, not the not the greatest field, but three wins in 12 months. That's not easy to do. And I, I, I saw this scrolling through social media. I don't know if it was on Facebook or Twitter. I forgot to save it, but I think there's only five current players right now that have won three times in 12 months. Hideki Matsuyama was one of them, I believe. I want to say maybe Colin Morikawa. Again, forgive me. I, I, I usually, anytime I see these things, I usually take a snapshot and save it. So, but, but regardless, Sam Burns is in a small, small little uh, group there that's won three times in 12 months. So it'll be interesting to see how he can follow this up. I did look at the scorecards. I saw a guy who I don't even know who he is, Davis Riley. 
He uh, he was the man in the playoff with Sam Burns. He made a triple on the fifth hole and still worked his way back into the playoff. I think that was the guy who started the day leading the tournament and made a triple on the fifth hole on eight on a par five. A little snowman action there. So good battle back by that guy. But Sam Burns, ultimately the guy who wins it in the end. And uh, yeah, I don't have, like I said, I don't have a ton to add because I didn't watch it. So I think, honestly, the bigger golf news from last week was that the Live Golf Tour, is that what they're calling it? The Live L-I-V, the Saudi-backed tour, uh, headed up by Greg Norman. They announced an eight-tournament schedule. There's going to be $250 million on the line over those eight tournaments. They're not going up against any majors, any of the playoffs, not against the President's Cup, the Ryder Cup. I believe they're staying away from the elevated PGA Tour events as well. You know, obviously the Genesis and the Arnold Palmer are over, but the uh, Memorial should be coming up in not too long, I believe. So they're staying away from those. And I listened to Greg Norman on the Golf Subpar podcast. And he was very adamant that the players, if they want to come and do one, they can come and do one. They can come and do two. He going to do one. He going to do one. And his kind of feeling, funny I said that, his kind of feeling was that, you know, just like Frank the Tank in old school, he going to do one. If he does one, he's going to do more because they're going to get over there and be like, wow, look at all this money. $25 million purse every week. That's 48 players. So, I mean... Good Lord. I mean, the, the players was a $20 million person. We talked about it like it was crazy. So, I mean, that's basically his theory is that, like, they it didn't sound like they got any of the top guys coming off the start. But I think his plan is, like, hey, the dude who's 60th in the world is dominating over there and mopping up money. And there's a $30 million kind of kicker that gets spread out among the top three individual guys at the end of the, the tournament schedule. So, he's like... If 60's going to, you know, mop up some money over there and I'm, you know, player number 40 in the world, why don't I go over there and start mopping up and then eventually player 20 goes and I think that's kind of the goal. We'll see. The, uh, you know, the Saudis do probably have endless amounts of money and, you know, I don't think we're going to stop using the Saudi oil in the next five or six years. So that money's just going to keep coming. So. I'm guessing they've got a little bit a uh, little bit stashed away to weather the storm because that would be the problem in a normal sense is that, man, how do you fork over $250 million with Jason Kokrak as your, your big guy that you're leaning on without getting, you know, a Dustin Johnson, a Bryson DeChambeau, a Phil Mickelson, those guys that had all been kind of linked to it previously. So very interesting I really enjoyed him on the Golf Subpar podcast. I thought it was, uh, I don't know, I enjoyed, maybe not the right word. I found it very informative, informative, because I don't know that I, I love the idea of it still, but I'm very intrigued by it. I thought the way he talked about it was interesting. The guy exudes confidence about it. I know he's never really been in love with the PGA Tour. I think you can look into his history, Greg Norman's that is, that he's got some some animosity towards them dating back. So I'm very interested to see how this goes. I think the first one comes up in June. So again, very interested. I'm really interested to see. He said they're going to announce all the players at once. 
I, I'm very interested to see who's going to play in this thing. I think Jason Kokrak's probably a lock. I think he's already he's already sponsored by the you know the Saudi sports thing or whatever. So, like I said, I'm interested to see where it goes. I think the uh, I saw this floating around t- uh, Twitter or Facebook or something too. Maybe Instagram, maybe Zyre Golf or something like that. So not an original thought here, but people are like, man, you want to make a you want to make some noise, Anthony Kim, get Anthony Kim to join the Live Golf L I V, I guess Live Golf. I, I guess I'm saying it right. Norman uh, yelled at Colt Nost when he called it the SGL or Salty Golf League. He's like, it's not that. It's the Live Golf Investments or whatever. But yeah, get Anthony Kim. That would really pique my interest if you got Anthony Kim out of retirement and brought him back. There's always been the rumors that he's got that insurance policy that paid out $30 million or is paying, and if he ever plays golf again, it stops or he may have to pay it back. So, again, I am very interested to see what happens with this. I'm, I'm super interested to see who goes because, the and Greg Norman alluded to this, that nobody wants to be the first guy to make the jump. So somebody's got to do it, and somebody's going to do it if there's that much money rolling around every week. So Calmian is very intrigued and excited to see where they go. We have the match play on the back of the PGA Tour this week. Always fun to see the match play. The, the group stages will be Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I think, and then they get into the bracket on Saturday, Sunday. Unless they do Wednesday, Thursday groups and get on, whatever it is, there's a group play first and they get in the bracket. So with the basketball not starting till later this week, I'll actually be able to watch some golf this week and have a a little bit better take to give you guys on what happened. So that is all in the golf world. Flyers update. Again, I got to apologize, guys. I didn't watch any games this week. They played four times or three times and they all came on into the tournament. They didn't play, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday at all this week. They played Thursday, Friday, and Sunday. Thursday, picked up a win in Claude Giroux's 1,000th game, his last game. They picked up a 5-4 win over the Predators. They did the whole kit and caboodle for Claude Giroux to start. He was, you know, honored. They gave him the stick for his 1,000th game, and they came out and got a 5-4 win. Again, didn't watch anything. I kind of tuned in and saw some of the, the hoopla around Drew. So they sent him out on a good note. Sent him out on a good note. I talked to my uh, my resident Flyers flant uh, when he got traded officially on Friday. Checked in to see how he was doing mentally. He said he's at peace with it because they got a they win for him. So he was shipped off to the Florida Panthers, who seemingly want to bolster their, their roster for a, a run at the Stanley Cup this summer. So... We move on with the, the who's left with the Flyers. They had a 3-1 loss the next night to Ottawa and then ended the, the week with a 2-1 win over the Islanders. So four games coming up this week, starting off Tuesday in Detroit. There have been more trades. Justin Braun was traded to the Rangers as well as Derek Broussard has been traded to the Edmonton Oilers. So kind of a little bit of a fire sale going on in Philly. That was to be expected with the way this season went. So we're going to kind of look. It looks like it's kind of a reset coming. I don't know if there's going to be a full rebuild, but at minimum, a little bit of a reset. 
can't get much worse. So my first year as a, uh, you know, as a Philadelphia Flyers fan has not been ideal, but hopefully we can build on this, get some picks. I see we've got uh, eight total picks in the 2023 draft now. So building to the future and uh, maybe we'll get this, uh, get this ship righted and get this thing figured out. There's been some news in the NFL over the weekend. Having myself a great day Thursday, watching some basketball, having some beers, just just what a day. NCAA tournaments in full swing. And what happens? I get a notification on my phone. Devontae Adams has been traded to the Las Vegas Raiders. Reuniting him with his college quarterback, Derek Carr. It was a blow. It was a blow to me mentally. Took me all weekend to wrap my head around it. Still kind of wrapping my head around it. Don't know how I feel about it yet. Disappointed. Got back a, a first and a second. Felt a little light, but when Adam said he wasn't gonna gonna play on the 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 tag, the franchise tag, it kind of put the Packers in a tough spot. So I guess at least they got something out of him. He's not just holding out. I was really blown away to hear this kind of right after. Got the whole Rodgers thing shirt up, and, you know, he's apparently signed this contract. I hope to good Lord. But, yeah, now the now the Packers are without any, any viable threats in the passing game. I mean, I like Lazard, but he's a, he's a, he's a three. Like, he's a number three receiver. MVS, he's a deep threat who can't catch it half the time. Robert Tunyon had a great year two years ago. I mean, he's coming off an injury now, but even at you know at that point in the season, it looked like the the defenses have kind of figured him out. They knew where they knew what he was going to do. That it wasn't a big surprise like he was a couple years ago. Randall Cobb was great on third down last year. I thought that went way better than I anticipated. I'll be the first one to to eat crow when they brought back Randall Cobb. I was like, oh, this, this is our big fix. I thought that went much better than I had ever imagined. But again, he's a third down slot receiver that can pick up 10, 12 yards here and there. Who are they going to go to? Like now they got to go do some. And I don't know if just drafting somebody is the answer. Haven't looked into the draft yet. I don't know what kind of depth there is at wide receiver, but they got to do something. I got this. I got this partially from part of this theory came from my brother, who is a lunatic. But he says his theory would be go get Antonio Brown. You can sign him to a league minimum. One strike policy. Like just come in, play, and if you don't, see it. We'll cut you. Lake minimum Antonio Brown, and he also wanted to go get Josh Gordon too. And same thing, one strike policy, and then you're gone. I can get behind the Antonio Brown because I think he's still got some game left to him. I think Josh Gordon's a little over the hill and probably passed it, and we'll hold off on the Josh Gordon thing. My thoughts originally, before hearing about the Antonio Brown idea, was you got to go get Julio Jones, and then you got to go get OBJ. OBJ's probably not ready for at least the first half of the season, if not till maybe the playoffs, but 
That's what this is all about. You just got to make the playoffs if you're the Packers. And then you just got to go on a run. And Julio Jones had some maybe knee, some knee issues this past year, I believe. So maybe he gets, you know, one last year where he kind of, you know, puts on a show. A la, you know, it wasn't his last year or anything. He played a couple afterward. But a la Randy Moss, when he went to the Patriots, everybody kind of thought he was done. So maybe Julio can turn the clocks back for a year. You get OBJ back for, for playoffs. He does the exact same thing he did for the Rams when they brought him in. And I can get behind the Antonio Brown thing. Get him in there. So you got Julio, Antonio Brown. You have Lazard as like a three. You have MVS. You have Cobb to kind of fill it out. I could I could get behind that idea to give it a go. I mean, you got to do something. You got to throw stuff at the wall and see if it sticks. And you got to treat every year as if it's the last with Rodgers. He could up and retire at any time, I think. I know there's probably something to do with his contract that he's going to have to play. Probably at least two years. I think three would be my guess. But he could also, he's been kind of an ageless wonder, but that doesn't have to last. I mean, he could be great this year and awful next year. Excuse me. He could, you know, right away this year, he could see a a big drop off. So I think you got to go at it and you just got to sell out. Packers have been kicking the can down the road as far as the salary cap goes. So, I'm up for anything. Let's just put it that way. I'm t- I mean, obviously, I'm sitting here talking about signing Antonio Brown. I'm obviously up to give anything a try. So, that's where that all boils down. Uh, the Packers did sign Razul Douglas back. That was opened up once once uh, Adams was gone. So, the Packers weren't the only people making waves. The Buffalo Bills. We're getting after it a little bit as well. Von Miller, six years, $120 million for Von Miller. So they're going for it. Six years. I, I thought at first I was like, oh, man, Von picking up Von Miller. And then as I sat there and thought about it, I was like, Von Miller's a little older. Von Miller's 32, about to be 33, and they just signed him to a six-year deal. So I obviously don't think... He makes it. I don't think he makes it to the end of that. I'm sure that deal is set up in ways that there are outs for the Bills and they won't have to pay him. Bills also picked up O.J. Howard. So the Bills are going for it. Former Packer Zadarius Smith, who was cut, had, you know, all reports were he was signing back with the Ravens, going back where he came before he came to the Packers. And then all of a sudden that deal was off, so... Zadarius not with the Ravens, not back with the Ravens. So very interesting there. See how that all turns out. The quarterback sweepstakes kept going. Deshaun Watson to the Browns, five years, $230 million. I believe there are going to be no criminal charges in, in that, you know, no criminal charges pressed against him in the, you know, The allegations from those 22 different women. So no criminals that criminal charges that opened up to the Browns sign them, which the Browns really kind of worked themselves into something there because they looked like they had lost the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. I had seen stuff that said he was going to the Falcons. I saw at least a couple people tweet that at that point. Baker was like, I'm out of here. Please trade me. 
then they weren't going to trade him. And now Deshaun Watson, they do end up landing him. So kind of, uh, they may have avoided typical Browns catastrophe there. But Deshaun Watson with the Browns, I think the Browns have a solid team there. I'll be interested to see how that goes. I'll be interested to see if the NFL does anything with a punishment from their end. It wouldn't be totally out of the realm to see them lay down a punishment. I'm not into the idea that the NFL should be punishing people for off-the-field conduct. I think there's a criminal system that can can do that if, if need be, and I don't know if the NFL needs to be involved in it. But they have been in the past, so I don't know. Maybe it happens. But Deshaun Watson, I think, I mean, he's a top-10 quarterback. So no doubt the Browns upgraded Baker. Baker wasn't going to be the guy. So we'll see how that all plays out. Elsewhere in the QB revolving doors, Matt Ryan to the Colts to fill the spot left by Carson Wentz. See if Matt Ryan's got a couple more good years left in him to, to do something. Get himself back to the Super Bowl, former NFL MVP. I don't, I mean, it's hard to tell if the team around him just wasn't that good or if, you know, he's had decent years, so we'll see how that goes. I don't know that that's a huge upgrade for the for the Colts. Maybe it is, and I'm totally missing the boat on Matt Ryan still having a couple in him. So we'll see how that goes. Juju Schuster, Juju Smith-Schuster to the Chiefs on a one-year $10 million, $10.75 million deal, so... A lot of big ha- stuff happening, and the Falcons signed Marcus Mariota to replace Matt Ryan, so that, that seems like kind of a stopgap to, to get them through. I think that was a two-year deal, so that's, that's kind of a stopgap to get them through until they can find their, you know, their next franchise-type quarterback. So, And the last one that I saw that really piqued my interest was uh, my man, Eli Apple. He's going back to Cincy. He's still going to get paid. He's still going to get another year at four mil. So Eli Apple, he's back. Back again. And the other thing in the NFL I saw that I thought was was very interesting was the Colts and Eagles put in a group, you know, a, a group proposition. And then the Titans put in a proposition for overtime changes. The Colts and Eagles want to just allow both teams an opportunity to possess the ball in overtime, period. The Titans want to allow both teams an opportunity to possess the ball in overtime unless the team with the first possession scores a touchdown and gets a two-point conversion. So, very interesting with with the Titans one. I think there's plenty of people around the league who think both teams should get the ball in overtime. I agree with that. But the Titans one is interesting. Like, if you got the balls to go for two, you can end it. You can win the game. But then if you don't get it, the other teams just, if they score a touchdown, they win with an extra point. So, very, very interested to see how that all shakes out. So, that's everything in the NFL news. Of, Of big note, there's plenty more that has happened. But that's uh, that's what we'll call it here today. Over in the fight game this week, we had a couple of fights from some up-and-comers. 
Unfortunately, we, we missed out on a, a couple other fights from up-and-comers. Uh, Keyshawn Davis was scheduled to fight on the ESPN card this weekend. He was moved off that card because of a non-COVID illness, they said. And Virgil Ortiz was going to headline uh, DAZN card, but he came down with rhabdomyalysis, also just shortened to rhabdo. What that is, I guess, is a break. It would, what your muscle tissue begins to break down, and then it releases my myoglobin into the bloodstream, which is very bad for the kidneys and can do permanent damage to them. So he was taken to the hospital. I guess they've got that all sorted out. I know there's been speculation that a lot of that is due to the fact that he's a big guy and cutting down to 147 isn't really all that easy for him. But I. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not uh, an expert in how to cut weight or anything like that. But he does seem to be a big dude who cuts cuts way down. So we'll see if how long he wants to camp out at 47. He's never made any bones about it in the past. But hopefully they're both feeling all right and we get to see them in the future. Keyshawn Davis got moved to the April 30th ESPN card. Uh, Going to be on the undercard of the Oscar Valdez Shakur Stevenson fight, which should be a banger. So a little little extra bluster to that that undercard that I'm sure ESPN will make go 17 hours. So, but like I said, we did have two two up and comers fighting this uh, this weekend. Xander Zayas, the 19 year old, he looked pretty good. He uh, he went all eight rounds, went to decision, but he looks like he's got a high ceiling, man. Like he's got all the punches. He can you know. Left, right, jab, hook, uppercuts. He's got. He can put them in combos. He can put multiple different combos together. It's not like he just has jab, jab, hook, or jab, jab, uppercut, or jab, jab, straight. Like he can go jab, hook, cut, uppercut. You know, he threw it all together. You know, he was up against a, an overmatched guy. It's not like he was he was fighting a world beater, but he looked good. Like I said, he's only nineteen. I think this is only his thirteenth fight. So. Very promising. I believe he's a young Puerto Rican guy, and they've talked that their hopes is to kind of get him to, to fight on the, the Puerto Rican parade day around New York City that Miguel Cotto, another great Puerto Rican fighter, used to fight on. So the nationalities in boxing, people, they they love to get behind him. You know, you know, Puerto Ricans, Mexicans, Irish and English, and, you know, they love, people love to support, you know, their fellow countrymen and build things around you know, Cinco de Mayo, Mexican Independence Day, the Puerto Rican Parade Day, things like that are, are a really big deal in the boxing world. So Xander Zayas has a great upside. And what I love about him, he's fought 10 times in the last two years. He fought six times in 2021. Six times. And I think actually even more impressive is that he fought four times in 2020. As COVID shut down the sports world and half the world in general, he, he snuck two fights in before any of the lockdowns. And then coming out of him, he got two in at the end of the year. So I think this is, I hope he keeps up and stand really active. If you can watch a guy, you know, four or five times a year as he's coming up, you get to build an attachment to him. You can get a kind of a following. People see your name. You can put more highlights out there. Maybe, hey, maybe you knock four guys out. So be uh, be very interesting to see see if he keeps fighting at a, at a high level. So, Really excited to see where he goes. Hopefully, again, hopefully he keeps busy and we see him again. Next up was Edgar Berlanga. He was fighting Steve Rolls. 
Berlanga had knocked out 16 straight people in the first round. And now he's on a three-fight streak where they've all gone the distance. He hasn't knocked them out at all. He looked less than impressive. I didn't watch this fight live. I watched both of these fights back afterwards. He ended up winning a unanimous decision, 97-93, 96-94. And Rolls was moving away from him quite a bit in the early rounds. So it wasn't, you know, Rolls wasn't standing there to trade with him. Rolls had some good stuff in the middle rounds. Berlanga came back looking better. But Berlanga looked like he was just looking for a big punch in my eyes. I know he got ridiculed by a lot of people in the boxing world. I think we can, we can dial that back just a smidge. We don't need to, you know, totally write him off as uh, can't as a you know. His, I don't think his career is over. He may not be what we kind of thought he was as he was knocking sixteen straight people out in the first round. But give it some time. Rolls is a is a crafty veteran. He wasn't. He's not some young up and comer that was just going to stand there and get his head taken off. So let's see where it goes. And uh, I'm I'm less high on him now than I was before. But I'm not going to write him off. Gotta, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. And in other news, in the boxing world, a fun fight gets made here. Arthur Betterbiev and Joe Smith, two light heavyweight champions, are going to have a unification match on June 18th. Betterbiev is the holder of the IBF and the WBC titles. Joe Smith, the holder of the WBO title. Those two guys are going to get together. They'll be... Uh, Three-belt champ coming out of that, hopefully, barring any funny business, with a real shot to fight Canelo Alvarez to become, you know, possibly the unified light heavyweight champion. Should Canelo get by, get by his May, his May, uh, his May matchup with Dmitry Bivol. So if Canelo comes out of that fight, gets through Golovkin, you got to imagine first half of 2022. He looks to set up a fight with Better Be Ever Joe Smith. That'd be to unify a second division in the last, you know, three years here. And it would be three years at that point, I think, right? 2021, 2020, yeah, 2023, so three years. So uh, a fight with a lot on the line. And by all indications, it's going to be on regular ESPN or ESPN Plus. No pay-per-view, so that's good. Both these guys very heavy-handed. Better Be Ever has knocked out everybody he's faced. And Joe Smith has knocked a lot of people out as well. So it would be a fun fight as well. So that wraps us up in the fighting world. What's up, everybody? Uh, MJ here with another edition of 60 Seconds with MJ on Old Wall's house. Wally, super exciting, super great week. Excited to listen to the pod. Uh, thanks for your time. NCAA tournament's been friggin' awesome. Uh, North Carolina, all these teams. Um, I told you the Big Ten was kind of trash. Um, they had kind of a tough day this weekend or tough day yesterday. Um, but I'm going to go off the beaten path here. I know there's been some free agency moves. I know a couple things like that. But I'm going to go with Stone Cold Steve Austin, baby, making his return after I think it's 19 years uh, WrestleMania against Kevin Owens. I don't know if it's an official match or anything yet, but I'm telling you, as a casual, very casual fan of the WWE, I am all in on WrestleMania. Austin 316 says, I just w kicked your ass, and we are going down with some Coors Lights, Bud Lights, whatever. MJ gone. Oh, hell yeah, MJ. I too am pumped for Stone Cold Steve Austin. To be back at WrestleMania. 
like MJ said, who knows if it's actually even a real match, but I'm pumped for it. Stone Cold was like the man growing up, you know, flipping the bird all the time, giving out stunners, beer bashes in the middle of the ring. And whoever that dude was who was firing the beers to him, that guy always hit the spot. I know MJ's a big fan of the guy throwing the beers, so I'm excited. Hopefully uh, it doesn't need to be a real match for me. Hopefully he just hands out a couple stunners, drinks a lot of beer, flips some people the bird. We get to hear that glass shatter. I'm all in for it. I have been uh, kind of getting a little excited for WrestleMania. I've been seeing some uh, some videos on Twitter and stuff like that of Brock Lesnar doing crazy shit. He was ripping a door off a truck, chasing down Roman Reigns one time, and then he drove a uh, not just a forklift, but like the big forklift. It's like a it's a, like a telehandler, I think they call. It. He drove one with the two forks on the front, right through a car. So. Love Brock Lesnar. Looking forward to WrestleMania. Undertaker getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. So, I'm with you, MJ. Give me a hell yeah. Hell yeah. Time for some passing thoughts to wrap this thing up. I'm going to say something right now that I don't know that I ever thought I'd say. I agree with AOC. Yep, I said that. I agree with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the congresswoman from New York. My mind is blown just saying that. But yeah, I agree with her. She uh, she put out a video the other day saying no fly zones are a bad idea over in Ukraine. I've never agreed with her more in my life and probably never will again. But I think she's on the money. We don't need to get into a war with Russia. So I agree with AOC. Take notes. Write it down. Note the day. Note the time. Never going to happen again, I would imagine. So while we're in that political world... Uh, the Hunter Biden laptop story that came out back in 2020 that everybody said was fake news and Russian disinformation and that anybody with an actual brain could see that all the uh, corporate press was just lying to us. So, yeah, they're all coming out and saying that just happens to be true now a year and a half later. So, hmm, interesting, very interesting. And then I guess the last of kind of a uh, a political nature of discussion I think this has actually been happening for a couple weeks, but I've just seen it recently. Kyrie Irving can't play in home games for the Brooklyn Nets, but he can come, sit on the end of the bench, doesn't have to wear a mask or anything, but he can't play and he can't go in the locker room. But he can be there with 20,000 other people because, I mean, that makes a whole lot of sense. It's what I like to uh, call the science trademarked. You know, you, you write out science, put that little TM up behind it. So uh, in a list of stupid ass shit, that comes at the top. So in other news, it's like 70 degrees here today. Maybe it'd be like 75. Life is way better when the weather is nice. And I guess like living in a place where the weather gets shitty for six months, you really appreciate it when the weather finally comes around. So 75 and sunny is the perfect weather. And I would love to live a place where it's just that all day, every day. Doesn't need to change. I don't need anything. Hey, I said I appreciate nice weather because it's shitty where I live for half the year. I can appreciate it at any given point. So 75 and sunny all the time. Give it to me, please. Uh, After this weekend, there's only one thing that can be a conclusion I need to make. Two TVs are the way to go. You need them. So 
Get yourself two TVs. If you got yourself a basement man cave, you need two TVs there. If you got yourself an attic man cave or a lady cave, I don't know, a, a she a she shed. Get yourself two TVs in there. And if your girlfriend or wife or boyfriend or husband or you know significant other, whatever you call them, they want to tell you you don't need two TVs. You just tell them they're wrong and you do need two TVs. I'm looking to upgrade to three TVs myself, actually. I think three TVs is really, really the perfect the perfect answer. You won't always need all three, I don't think. But when you do, it's that's another level of perfection. But two TVs, you need it. You need to have, even if you have to do a little bit of fandangling, like I have to move a box to get my two TVs all on cable. But heck, most of the time, half the stuff you're watching... You're streaming anyway, and a lot of people just stream everything totally. So two TVs is the way to go. You got to get it set up. I went for a while where I was moving a TV from room to room. That's not it. You just got to get yourself a TV that's stationed permanently next to your main TV and your, you know, your main beer drinking, sports watching area, and just get yourself set. And, uh, you know... Like I said, three TVs is common, but two TVs is a minimum. So speaking of TVs and movies and things like that, first, our our trek to watch all the Bond movies, it's still ongoing. We just got to get to them. These last two Bond movies, I think, are like two and a half hours and like three hours. So it's just carving out a time when we feel like sitting down and watching them all. I don't think that these are going to affect our top rankings at all, but still going to hold back. There will be an episode where I will dive into that, I promise. I know I've been talking about that right from the get-go, so... The Bond track continues. Also, in, uh, we'll, we'll swing over to the TV before we swing back to the movies. Maury Povich is, in fact, retiring. The uh, daytime TV host who, uh, you know, famous for You Are Not the Father. You know, people dancing and partying. Yeah, he's going to retire. 31 years or something like that. He's had, I guess, two different TV shows over that time. I can't say I've ever actually, like, watched one. I've I've seen the, you know, the people freaking out when they find out they aren't the father. But uh, never watched that. But Maury Povich is retiring. So we're going to lose... Uh, some good memes, I would imagine. I'm sure someone's going to fill that role. But uh, Maury, trendsetter, he's gone. Now, like I said, back to the movie thing. Barstool did one of their uh, their draft things. And one the one they did, I saw recently was the 2000s comedy movie draft. I won't list off the teams uh, here and everything. That's just too complicated. But look it up on Barstool if you want. I'm just going to list off the movies in the order they drafted them. Super bad. Hangover. Hangover, I saw in theaters with like five or six of my buddies from high school. That was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like first time watching in a movie theater with all your buddies was one of the funniest moments of my entire life. I don't know. The rewatch is still good. I don't know that it'll ever come close to that first one. Old School and Wedding Crashers, which are my two favorite comedies of all time. Just undeniable. They went Shrek. I, I don't feel like Shrek belongs in a 2000s comedy movie draft, but we'll move on. 40-year-old version, Step Brothers, Anchorman, Meet the Parents. Meet the Parents is a really underrated one. Oh, I have nipples, Greg. Can you milk me? Borat. Borat. I watched Borat in a hotel room with my brother and his dad before we watched. went to an NFL uh, a Bengals-Steelers game right after that thing came out. 
That's about the only other time I've laughed about as hard as I did when I watched The Hangover. When I watched that the first time. They had Jackass on here. Knocked up. Mean Girls. Zoolander. Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Super Troopers. Tropic Thunder. Just an all-time classic. Totally could not be made in this day and age. I mean, they have Robert Downey Jr.'s in blackface. Uh, ben Stiller is playing a gentleman with a mental, mentally challenged. Like, no way. that I can't believe they made that thing in 2008. But that thing's incredible. Uh, Road Trip, American Pie 2, Dodgeball, another great movie. Vince Vaughn, as you've noticed, the, the three movies I've pointed out as some of my favorites are Dodgeball, Old School, and Wedding Crashers. You have a heavy dose of Vince Vaughn in all of those. Then we have I Love You Too, Man. Yes, yeah, stop in the base. Scary Movie 2, Along Came Polly, Best in Show, and Walk Hard, The Dewey Cox Story. I forgot what ones I was thinking they really left out. Uh, Pineapple Express was one that's really missing from there. But, my God, if you watch those 25 movies, you're going to laugh your ass off the entire time. Maybe outside, like, Shrek. And I've never seen Best in Show, so don't call me there. But the other ones, I mean, especially that top row, Super Bad, Hangover, Old School, Wedding Crashers, that's Murderer's Row right there. There's not many movies funnier than those. And and just incredible that these things all came out in like a 9, 10-year-old run. That's just an incredible time to be alive. My, uh, my formative years were made from watching those movies. So if you wonder why I'm such a jackass, uh, those, yeah, no pun intended there. That would be why, that group of movies. So that's all I had this week for Passing Thoughts. Let's wrap this thing up. Okay, closing time. Turn on all the lights. Let's get on out of here. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you guys hanging out, listening to me this week. Appreciate Zach Place coming on. I know uh, Mr. Appley was too cool for us this week. He couldn't make it, but he may uh, he may be able to redeem himself somewhere down the line. But, uh, you know, kind of funny. The, the busiest man I know, Zach Place, the hardest worker I've ever met, and even he can make some time, but Mr. Appley, Bucky Appley, can't do it for us. But we'll be back next week. We got... Uh, Sweet 16, the Elite Eight to wrap up. Got to make our final picks for the final four. Getting ready for WrestleMania we talked a little bit about today. We've got the WGC match play going on this weekend. I'm sure the NFL is not going to slow down. Every time you turn around, there's some big trade or free agent sign happening. So it'll be uh, plenty to talk about again next week. I will be back. I'll be back like Arnold. So... Come back and check me out again next week. I appreciate all you guys. Thank you for tuning in. This has been Old Wall's House. Peace.